0: Hello everyone and welcome to One OneControllerPort podcast episode 256. I'm Benjamin Yoder here today Talked about video games. I was gonna do like a Mario 128 bit thinking that was actually like Mario 256 but no Mario 128 is Mario 128. Caught myself before I even said it. Now I'm going down this long haul. You know you don't it's, it's kind of nice that you don't see people like uh, uh, anymore saying like where's Mario 128? What happened to that? I, I'm guessing we're finally well, two things. One is those people who, who wanted Mario One Twenty Eight it had been so so long that realized it's not really a real game. And then also two, just like maybe we're at the point of just like understanding better understanding that tech demos do not mean video games, right? Final Fantasy Seven remake was a big one where like they showed off the tech demo for the PS three um uh like it was just a PS three tech demo and it was Final Fantasy Seven and people were like, Ah, it's Final Fantasy Seven remake coming and then you know, many, 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 many years later, we got there, but not because of that tech demo. Well, maybe in terms of, like, the interest shown, you know, was from that tech demo, maybe, but I don't know. I mean, I think people would have said, like, we want a remake of Final Fantasy Seven. Remakes were already kind of a big thing by the time that Final Fantasy Seven remake actually came out. So, um, there's also, I think there's a Final Fantasy Eight like, PS2 tech demo as well, where it's like the dancing scene. That's coming to mind at this second. I, I don't remember for sure if that's the case, but I believe that was um, something there. But anyways, hi. Video games. Um, there has not been that many video games that have happened with me since the last time we talked. However, I did play a lot of Family Jockey. Um, I finished Family Jockey. Uh, and I did a casual review of that Family Jockey that has not gone live yet. But pretty much between last podcast and this podcast, I went through my whole family jockey phase. And you missed it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you weren't part of my life in that regard. (laughs) So I don't want to say too much because I have the casual review going up. Um, But yeah, I mean, family jockey, I think think you probably already know well enough if you're like super interested in a game like that. What I can say about the title, and this is something that I lean into with the, the casual review that I do for it is it is a game that I think does a really good job of um, utilizing motion controls in a way that feels satisfying, right? So I I think of games like Wii Ski, games like Wii Sports, things like that, where they do a great job of connecting what you're doing in person to what's happening on screen. And, you know, today I don't think we have that much of an, an interest in that kind of thing because, like, VR kind of to overtook that like kind of more immersive experience and so you don't need to have that like separation from the screen and like what you're like uh, that you don't have to make a connection between what's happening in your hand to what's happening on screen in in the same way um but uh but I still really appreciate that a game that can you know show you that you can feel immersed in a game and feel like you're controlling the game in a in a unique and novel way that feels relevant to the world um without necessarily having to you know put on a headset or something like that and like close the distance between you know your face and the screen kind of thing so i think family jockey family jockey yeah uh is is a a great example of a game that does that well there are a couple little weird motion control hiccups i think on stream when i streamed it initially i had problems jumping and yeah eventually i figured out the jump was like more of a timing thing more than anything they don't want you like Right, like hitting the reins before you jump. So you need to like kind of stop and then lift up kind of thing so and and i think that's like a reasonable ask right it's not a big deal like maybe in the heat of the moment it sucks you're like ah oh, i was just trying to jump kind of thing but it, most of the time you know you'll be able to think through that anim- that motion and like get over it kind of thing so so really where most of that kind of connection comes from as the player is leaning the we or mountain Nunchuck side to side you know whipping the reins and and also um you know, uh, uh, the whipping, the actual whip itself, although, and, and so I actually was looking at some commercials for this game and in the commercials, they have them like actually like pointing the Wii remote back and whipping the butt. I did not try that. That is probably a terrible idea because the Wii remote plays a role in how you, um, are controlling your character. I mean, when you're using the Wii remote nunchuck, which I highly recommend because that like helps complete the illusion, right? You can play it just the Wii remote, but like, what are you doing? What are you doing, man? If you're just playing with the Wii Remote to play a two reigns game, maybe if you're like, if you're like a fancy rider who's just using one reign, maybe you can use the Wii Remote that way. <laughs> but, but you know, it, it just makes more sense for that. Um, but yeah, you still have to like turn the Wii Remote and the nunchuck side to side. So like pointing the Wii Remote to the back and like slapping your own butt to do that kind of hit um, it would be a bad idea. I, like, just now realizing that. But anyways, don't do that. <laughs> just, just swing the remote. You know, I did kind of stop. I would stop, like, swinging the nunchuck usually and just start hitting the remote. But really, you could probably just hold the B button and that will change, like, the type of, of, of form momentum you have. But, I mean, the point of those kind of connect experience is not necessarily to 100% replicate what's happening on screen, but do enough that it completes that connection with your mind and makes that makes that like that feeling i always think about like there's like a, a red steel two like a red steel one sorry a red steel uh e3 demo i think is the year before or that the, the year that we was launching and there's a french guy on stage and like good on him great english like he walked through the whole thing and everything um there's even like a bug that happened on it where like a guy was like stuck in the air on fire I remember that demo really well. Probably cuz I at the time probably watched that press conference like 30 billion times knowing me cuz I would rewatch E3 press conferences over and over and over and over again just cuz that's what I would do. Um and and um but he, at one point he says like and I'll feel like your on is in the game, <laughs> and that's like that's probably a terrible uh, like impression of it. But that's like the thing I think about all the time when I think about that. Is, like that, that French dude saying, "It's like if you like Johan is in the game," kind <laughs> sort of thing. So, um, yeah, but it, it it's it's fun in that regard. Um, but it's really shallow in content. It's like three hours long to get to the single player, and then similar to Happy Dance Collection actually, which is also a Namco thing. I would I would not be surprised if Happy Dance Collection is maybe like lightly in the family series. Um, I would have to go back and listen, like, because a lot of family games have the same sound effects and stuff. I wonder if Happy Dance Collection has the same sound effects for the menus and things like that. That's really curious. I'm trying to think about it right now. I think they're different. I could be wrong. I think they're different, but anyways, I think they kind of fit that same space, but anyways, uh, so happy dance collection. If you wanted to unlock all the outfits for the male character, you had to play through two player mode. So what you do is you hold both Wii remotes in, in, in your hands, or you can hold Wii remotes in each of your hands. And, um, you know, dance with two controllers if you're you know, obviously you, you could also play it two players, but if you're like me and don't have anyone to play family jockey with, you know, you can you basically play it by yourself. So you can either, you know, race with both Wii remotes at the same time and, and try to control two characters. Um, all that matters is that one of the characters gets first place. So I was just like, okay, let's connect Wii Remote 2, and then just shove it on the floor, and then you know don't even worry about controller too. The only problem with, with doing that is that you have to wait for the last racer to finish the race. So sometimes you'd have to like race half a race the other character briefly just to get it done. Or sometimes I just like walk away from the, from the Wii and let him finish it out on his own. Because the horse is always moving forward. So he's never like not moving. But yeah. So Family Jockey, pretty cool game. Um, I think if you are into the Wii and those motion controls, definitely check out that casual review. Um, ca- just to, as a heads up on the casual review, actually... I did try to tweak the formula a little bit. I think I mentioned before that like I'm kind of tired of the casual review form- formula we have right now. And I think the reason, part of the reason why is because the structure never changes. The structure is always just a very bland, like point, 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 done kind of thing. And so what I wanted to do was kind of maybe, like initially I started with like trying to do a casual review in like a scripted um way. But I found that that wasn't like really fixing the problem I was having with casual reviews where I was like, this feels a little underwhelming in some ways. So I took it the other way around and said, well, if I apply the structure of uh, uh, a scripted review to a casual review, so be more dynamic, you know, mess around with like the beginning a bit more. Talk about things that are greater than the game sometimes rather than just going like family jockey 2008 Nintendo Wii. This is a game kind of thing, um and I mean, it still is that way, but like having a little intro talking about you know why this game is interesting like and and really focusing up front of just like here is the selling point for this video game, and then later on we'll worry about the rest of the stuff so so that's that's kind of the approach I took with it, and hopefully that gives me a little more flexibility to do interesting things with those reviews, I also didn't like with the casual reviews before i would almost always stick to the gameplay of the game i was talking about outside of very rare exceptions now i'm trying to be a bit more flexible with that and be like okay i'm talking about this right here let's drop in some footage from this okay i said this what if i could do like a little dumb skit for this little thing right and um you know i definitely have like looking at I think Retro Bird is like a very um, if you want to like learn how to do YouTube skits in like a very unobtrusive way, I think Retro Bird is like a really good example of that um, because even though he does have like brief stops in his videos to reference like some joke, he has like this whole banana thing where he talks about bananas and like he works it into his point. But but like like even without like the verbal like explanation of of, of a joke or something or verbal parts of a joke, he often has like visual jokes in the background like while he's. That delivering the script to you um and maybe that's like i don't know if that's necessarily a good thing it could distract from your point i don't know could emphasize the point depending on how well you do it and i don't want to like like retro birth videos are almost all that not always but they are a lot of that where i don't want to do a lot of that but I, I i was looking at what he was doing is like this might like maybe i should think about that more because like thinking about the animal crossing um city folk video i did put a skit in there and there but I thought it was like really disruptive of the video flow for two reasons. One, it was just kind of out of nowhere. Two, it was referencing a video I did 10 years ago that chances are most people never watch. <laughs> so, you know, it was it was kind of whatever. Um. So yeah, anyways, so I messed around with that a little bit. Is that gonna stay? Is that gonna like, you know, it's the first time I've done it. So there's gonna be lessons learned and as I go on and learn more things. So that's what's going on with the casual review stuff right now. By the way, this podcast podcast probably going to be kind of all over the place because I don't have like the typical topics lined up in the way that I would usually would. Um so, yeah, that's that's it for family jockey. Let's let's stop the family jockey there. No more family time. No more family. What about animals though? Animal Crossing soundtrack Got announced. Um, uh, this is like a really cute soundtrack. It's got like a bunch of discs and stuff, but like it has a really nice aesthetic to it. it runs with the Atoka doll one, which is like, it's very like pastel colors on all the discs and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was really cute. And I was like, this is really cute. I love this. I will never buy it because I don't buy Animal Crossing stuff. Two days later in my life, I have ordered, not the, not the soundtrack. I have left that. That is still out of my out of my purchasing view i do not want it it's fine animal crossing music very available i do not have that much of a connection to animal crossing however i was tempted well rather i was i was i was tempted and then lured in by the trap that is the my nintendo rewards program so i went to my nintendo rewards somebody mentioned to me there's going to be a nintendo switch sports towel it's like well let me see if i have enough points to just like blow my money on this towel uh the towel was not out yet so it was not there However, I did say they had just released some Animal Crossing coasters, and they are also very cute coasters. They have, like, Brewster on there, and they've got, like, laminate tops with, like, coaster bottoms. So I don't know how durable they're going to be, but I have always been looking for, like, coasters that I think are, are, like, nice looking. They don't look too video gaming. It's not like a, oh, a Triforce on the thing. It's a little owl logo, and, like, that's cute. Um, it's so like, it doesn't look super obtrusive, but if you know what it is, it looks nice. I think that's like the best way you can do video game merchandise is like, this is not just like link on a shirt being like, Hi-ya! or something like that. Right. And like it's just like you know that weird plasticky cover stuff that comes off like in a, the first wash you do a shirt. Like what I like is when it when it when a when a design is just good on its own, and then the video game aspect of it just kind of like gets wrapped into it, kind of thing. That's what I like. So so those coasters do a really good job of that. So the trap though, if you've been a my Nintendo Rewards Program person, you know there's a trap with this because previously, if you're a cool old Club Nintendo member. Nintendo would just ship you your rewards for free. They wouldn't charge you. Now they charge you. They charge you $5. You know what that means? Your brain's like, I need to get the most value out of this $5. So let me go look at the Nintendo store and see what's on there that's going to be of interest to me. So I'm working, looking for the Nintendo store like a dummy. Nintendo store has a lot of stuff on it. I think they have maybe expanded the Nintendo store To like third-party sellers or something, because there's a lot of third-party accessories on there that I did not expect, and a lot of like refurbished stuff too. So I don't. I guess they may have reworked the Nintendo Store at some point, but I was like, this is like a lot of stuff listed here. But they do have the Nintendo like Nintendo exclusive rewards that you can go to that section or Nintendo Store exclusives. Go to that section and they sell. I guess their exclusive merch for. I I assume the physical Nintendo Store they they sell it, but then also on the online store you can buy that too. Either way. That aside, so I fell in that trap, and I was flipping through their stuff, and I was like, well, let me look at refurbished hardware. Sometimes you can get, like, Wii Remote and nunchucks for, like, a decent price, stuff like that. So I was in there, and they had the Animal Crossing New Leaf limited edition dock, um, and I bought it, because <laughs> it was refurbished, so I don't know what condition it's going to be in, but I always loved the look of the dock. It's the one with, like, Tom Nook with the island on and everything. I was like, oh... So it was like 40 bucks, which is like, not that bad, but bad for something that really doesn't serve a purpose. Now I can slightly justify it. Like if I, here, let me give you the one justification I have. I have my nightmare set up now where everything is kind of wired where it is and I never want to take it out. So that includes the Nintendo Switch. It's a nightmare to get my Nintendo Switch out of there. Obviously, I can take the console out, no problem, but the actual dock and everything. However, if I want to do a Kaminazo stream, I need to do it in the other room because that's where my setup is to do a like larger stream where I can capture you know, what's happening on the table and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, I want to do a Kaminazo stream, but I have to unplug all this stuff and then bring it back in here when I'm ready. It's like, what a headache. What a frustration. And I was like, but the Animal Crossing dock the Animal Crossing dock can save my life, so I bought it, (laughs) Um, and uh, it did get me to a point where I got free shipping, so I kind of got five dollars off a little bit, so, you know, I'm only saving money, but but anyways, so I ended up buying that dock along with the coasters, and I was like, I don't think I would have told you that I would have purchased Animal Crossing stuff this week, that seems out of nowhere, and it was, Um, so anyways, that's coming um i don't know which dock is going to go where obviously it's easy enough to switch the docks out itself um which maybe then the real answer is i should have just bought an extra power cord that's the real answer but it's too late life has it's life has taken hold of me so it's gone um i did buy an extra power cord though but that is basically in re- my realization that i could just buy another power cord and switch move the dock around uh now i know that that was a useless purchase and i tried to justify it but it's okay it's cute enough. Enough justification. It's cute. So yeah. Um. And speaking a little bit actually about that Kaminazo setup. So I am not at the point where I'm ready to go back to Kaminazo. and 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 I'm gonna say that I'm not gonna stream Kaminazo. I don't think a stream. I don't think streaming is a good environment for me for that. I can't think very well when I'm streaming. Um. For a game like that. Um. If you go back and watch my Kaminazo stream, you can see I will struggle. Struggle. So I do think we'll return to Kaminazo in some way, form or fashion. Um, and I think it will be over there. Uh, I think that will happen. There's no plans at this time, but I think that will happen. So, but I have been testing other things over in that setup. Uh, I've been trying to test out like, um, more, I guess you could say reaction kind of videos. Like we had the video a while ago about, um, or rather a stream I did with the PlayStation state of play and did like a live reaction to that kind of thing. And... While I'm like, yes, those were the kind of games I was like interested in seeing. I sat down after that and thought, what was the value of me being there? And I think really all I had to say was, this is cool. I will never play this. And like, or or it's very unlikely I'll play this kind of thing. And and, and that's true for a lot of like games that get announced and stuff like that. Um, Not only from a, a time perspective, but also like a purchase perspective. And so it means I can't really like say that much during it. So I'm trying to think of different ways to approach some kind of format like that. That isn't necessarily, you know, something that, you know, hundreds of people, if not thousands of people online are doing live reactions to. Because I don't know if I'm really adding much benefit there, right? This doesn't really seem like a big, big thing for me. So anyway, so that's just stuff I've been thinking about. That's where I did the Oreka Ro- Battle um, uh device uh, unboxing. Speaking of which, I do need to, like, play more of that. Um, considering that game feels pretty similar to actual Oreka Battle, I get the feeling I can probably go find, like, a Japanese wiki for, or, or any wiki, really, but probably a Japanese wiki for Oreka Battle and, like, figure out how that game works. So, that'd be nice. Um, I forget her name. There's somebody who uh, commented, Foxy Ellie, I think. And I'm, I think, you're, if you're listening, hello. Um, but I believe they mentioned that the, uh, the asia english version that's like in southeast asia um that version of the game doesn't actually rely on like network stuff so apparently it's still running i don't know if that means it's still printing cards but they are doing like uh, or there's like you have the ability to do like competitive Eureka battle fights with like a local machine it sounds like which if you go look up online if you look at Eureka battle online i think on youtube i think one of those tournaments actually shows up um, which <laughs> I will say as somebody who doesn't really know how a wreck battle works per se, the, the slot machine aspect of it feels very just like, how does this work in a tournament? But if there's like a timing aspect to the slot machine, I could totally see that. And then obviously there's the building the monster part of it too, because you're building characters, switching out their moves, things like that. So there's definitely stuff to it, even if it's completely random. But um, I think the timing part would be um, either... That maybe that would be broken, honestly, because then if you know the timing of like getting like the best move you have every time, you'll just spam your best move every time, right? So I don't know. Anyways, I do want to do a little more research on that and then maybe revisit that and, and play it a, a good chunk. Um, obviously, I can't really record a lot of video of that. So if I do do a follow up, it'll probably be pretty casual um, and just, you know, talking about my experience at the game from there. Um, but I haven't made any commitments to that yet. So that is something I am thinking about. So yes uh and then the last thing i want to talk about before we go on a little patreon break here is uh this is like dipping into news a little bit this is really the only true news story we have this week um and that is well i guess we have the animal crossing ost but that is uh this is that english learning software or switch game um that's kind of like an english learning rpg um that that is coming out actually came out i believe by the time you're hearing this days ago uh, but on uh, on april 29th and um, i talked about this on a podcast a few months ago i think at this point or maybe a couple months ago i don't know um but i ordered that game because i was like there's no way this is going to get localized or if it's getting localized it's going to get localized in a different format learning a different language which isn't necessarily a bad thing and maybe that makes sense to pick it up then too um, and so I ordered it. And so, um, I think what's probably going to happen is if it gets here sometime this week before Thursday, um, and I can get it set up properly, then we'll probably stream it instead of crime crackers this week. Cause I do want to take a little bit of a crime crackers break because crime crackers is a little, I don't know if monotonous is the right word, but it is a little saney. A lot of times Oh, well, last week was not that bad. It had some puzzle elements to it. Um, but anyways, uh, so I thought we'd, we'd play Betty at first stream um and do that but i have to get like a microphone set up to it and uh i need to go get a microphone from my old office because i left one of my microphones there and i don't want to like unplug my microphones i use for my streaming setups and stuff like that um so uh, i need to go grab that um but anyways the the news story though this week is that they are they're releasing dlc for bedia and um and maybe they have already said this before but this is like the real official it's out and like here are the details kind of thing and so what they have and keep in mind this is you know again using uh machine translation uh with this stuff all of the most of the most of the text on the page is all like actual graphics so you can't machine translate it but in the in the purchase section they do have regular text that machine translates and basically you have um the uh betia fluent english adventure lesson 1 and that's what i've purchased i believe as a physical copy and that is 65 or 6578 yen and that is the the cost of a full video game then they're releasing betia betia fluent english adventure additional content lesson 2 price Six thousand five hundred seventy-eight yen. So, so they're basically charging you the full price of the game again for Lesson Two, <laughs> which, hey, maybe content-wise makes sense. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of crazy. I feel like to literally just like double the price of your game in one DLC pack, but but you know maybe it's worth it. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. I'm not gonna buy the Lesson Two content yet. Uh, and I'm going to guess that it's only gonna be available via download. So I'd have to probably get a, um, card. Uh, I, I assume lesson two is not included on the, on the cartridge itself. That's just like, that's way too much money to include as like a bonus on the, the cart. So, um, yeah, that is a pretty hefty price, but I don't know how long like Betty is. And like, honestly, for most, most of the time these days for me, the shorter, the better. So if like lesson one wraps it up in an interesting way and I feel you know, happy with the experience, and I feel like I've gotten what I wanted out of it, chances are I won't bother with Lesson 2. You know, it is ad- adding two new areas. Um, I don't know, you know, how different these areas are from the main game. In some ways, they just kind of look like nighttime and daytime versions of the areas I've already seen, but I could be wrong. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it it looks like they are are adding some some more maps and stuff like that too with more characters i think they say like an additional 50 characters or something like that as well so um reality is i'm just gonna wait and see what the main game is first before i sit there and do that but yeah i kind of did not expect this to be like a i guess ongoing lesson plan thing (laughs) and that they would charge so much money for it so um but you know i have my choice to purchase whether i want to or not right so We'll see what what ends up happening. Um, I'm going to guess it's not, like, the length of a full RPG. So, you know, I'm I'm going to guess it's going to be pretty h- straightforward. Hopefully, it's not, like, time-gated. And what I mean by that is, like, hopefully, it's not like, oh, you've learned enough English today, get out of the video game, come back tomorrow and play another 30 minutes kind of thing. So... I'm hoping that won't be the case because that will make for a bad stream if that's the case. So we might have to revert back to Crime Crackers if that happens. Um, But for now, if I get Betty and everything I need, I'll plan to stream that. Um, If I realize I can't do it, I'll go ahead and schedule the Crime Cracker stream. Um, If I can do it, I'll go ahead and schedule the Betty stream. Right now, I don't have any stream technically scheduled, but you guys know it's always same time, Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Um, I did hold off on pushing the stream time up um, because there is a little turmoil at my current job and I just don't want to like start asking for things right now while stuff is changing so I'm just like okay let me wait and then after that I mean really it I can do it it's just I I want to make sure but like I don't think anyone's gonna blame me for 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 moving my time it's 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 kind of like a very flexible job like if you want to work hours as long as you have to, as long as you're you know at the meetings you're supposed to be and you know, are clocked in doing your work, you know, sometime throughout the day. So as long as there's no like meetings after like that time and and it is a all remote work. so a lot of people are in the East Coast, so n- almost never there are meetings after two p m. So I really don't expect there to be any issue. But playing it safe just in case we'll see what happens. anyways, that's it for that. Hey, guess what time it is? It's the time for the Patreon section. Yet again, thank you so much to uh, the person who does not want to give their name, I believe, hence their name is discreet, uh, 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 Jillian, and um, um, Paul Daniel for being be, being Patreon subscribers. Um, if you join the likes of them, you can get bonus content. Like this week, you're gonna get a GA card installation video where I slide a card into the PCFX or PC98 and go yes. I did it, um, but instead of it just being like, as simple as that, I struggle for like half an hour. So, <laughs> you know, it, it it was more complicated than, I, I made it more complicated than it needed to be. It's a very simple installation, but that's gonna be going up this week. Um, I've got some other content that I did some test content for, for that other uh, stream setup. So I've got something coming up with that. It's basically like a um, commentary piece on my old videos. So if you wanna see me give some commentary on that. Um, I, I tested it out with my baseball review. Um, was kind of interesting to review that or go back to that and realize just like how different that review was from like my current reviews. Um, because it is kind of crazy how weirdly like sparse it is in a lot of ways. Um, but the uh the problem was in that video I did have issues with my note my noise gate. Not in the baseball review, but the baseball commentary video. I did have problems with my noise gate because I was testing out having audio playing over the TV while cutting out that audio from my microphone essentially. Um so it is a little a little choppy at times with with what I'm saying, but like it wasn't so bad that I didn't feel like bad about putting it up on the Patreon. So I reduced the noise gate threshold so it should let more in earlier on that and then I tested that out with the audio levels a bit. So I got to do another test before I do um my second idea which is going to be a longer form video um that uh I I'm kind of looking forward to checking out and seeing how it goes. But anyways, Patreon stuff. That's what's going on with that. But if you do at the, so they're doing it at the $5 level. That's where you get those, those mm, bonus, bonus content. Um. So yeah, there's that. Um. At the $3 level though, if you want, you can ask a podcast question um, and, and you can do so at the $5 level as well. So that is why Jillian submitted a podcast question this week. And her question was, what is your favorite useless promo item? Now, before I answer that, I want to. I want to say this. I think promo items are generally useless. That is, I think is a, a fairly consistent thing. Um, so what I want to tell you about is my favorite useful promo item, and that was the Yakuza Six. No, sorry, Yakuza Kiwami um, backpack tote bag. I used that thing when I was grocery shopping all the time to bring groceries in. I was like, I love this thing, and uh, at some point it tore. You can imagine how beautiful that was with all the groceries. Uh, you know, I doubt that thing was built to f- like function very long. But I was like, I love this. And then after it ripped, I was like, I should buy one of these. Like a real one of these like backpack tote bags. I like it a lot. And then proceeded never to do it. So <laughs> this is a reminder that I probably should do it. But that, that is the most useful promo item I've ever had. And my favorite one. And I love it. Um, until, until it ripped. Then it was useless. Um, but my favorite useless promo item, you know, how useless useless is, is a whole other thing. There are definitely quote useless promo items that are literally just like kind of in some ways, nothing. Um, but, uh, let's say just anything that does not have a lot of value. Right. Um, and when I say value, I don't mean like, um, money value. I mean like, like a functionality purpose, things like that. They could have a function, but it's just not, not important. Um, I love the giant AR card that you could get from, I think Club Nintendo. So maybe this is not really a promo item per se, um, but I do like that giant AR card. If you don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to another item I have that is a promo item, but like this is probably my favorite, like useless piece of trash in my house that I never use for anything. But when I see it, I just smile. Um, and it's actually in the video, what video is that in? It's in the Nintendo G video, actually. I, I have it in there where I like pulled it out of the top of my closet. Um, that was a, like, that's not where it's stored. I just that was the easiest way to show what I was trying to say there. Um, but anyways, so it's just a giant, like AR card that's like the size of a torso and you can use your 3DS to basically like make Mario that's like, you know, half your size or a third your size jump around for a little bit. It also like the other side that lets you like have Mies on there. So you can just like play a giant version of whatever, ar thing you're doing take whatever giant pictures you want of ar characters and stuff like that so it's a neat thing i like it a lot uh i've never used it once but i like the idea of what it does and that's very cool in terms of actual promo items though um i'd say maybe my deca sports sweat wristband um so if you don't know deca sports was a hudson soft sports game kind of like the Trying to get into, like, the Family Series, Wii Sports, you know, all that kind of space, you know, in general. Um, D3 is like, 30 great outdoor fun games or whatever. That kind of, like, mini-game sports game face space that happened on the Wii. And uh, I did win a um, Sports sweatband, wristband, um, that is, uh, um, you know, it's a wristband. And so I actually keep it on my other useless promo item, uh, the Mannequin Hand from the Touching is Good campaign with the nintendo ds where they would send you a mannequin hand and you would take a picture of the mannequin hand or like record a video or something like that of like how you like touching is good or something weird and you would get a promotion i i submitted got my mannequin hand and i'm pretty sure never submitted anything back to nintendo was like got my free mannequin hand thank you nintendo it's not nintendo branded nothing they just sent out a bunch of mannequin hands i think it did have some like paperwork with it or something but Anyways, so it's on that right now. So that's what that is. Uh, the, where I got the actual band itself was from um, um, Go Nintendo. Go Nintendo had gotten a free Deca Sports demo disc to give out. So I have a Deca Sports demo disc. I haven't looked to see if that's like ripped. I assumed it's out there, but maybe it's not. I assume it is though. Um, but they gave out a free Deca of, of Sports demo disc. I was able to get that. So technically, I didn't get that directly from the publisher. That went through another step. So I guess if we want to get like really, really technical, I did get a review copy of like, uh, Catherine, um, from Atlas, but I got like the, the, the baby collected version of the, the art disc or art book, which is fine. I feel like any kind of promo items useless though. So I guess we're not talking about like every, like, I don't know. I gave you a number of them. Choose whatever one you want to be my favorite useless promo item. Or just, like, roll a dice, man. Three-sided dice. Choose one of those. Hand. Catherine. Giant AR card. That's it. Thank you so much again for subscribing to the Patreon. Um, again, if you want to ask a question at the $3 level, you can. On Mondays, I put up a post that basically says, here's what the question's going to be for this week. Although, if you submit another question, I will go ahead and take that question instead. So as long as you submit it by Friday, I'll go ahead and take that question. Otherwise, uh, Jillian sent me like a big list of questions. So I'm basically just going through those every week now um, for that. So so yeah, thank you again, Jillian, for all those questions. And when those are done, we can go right back to the level skip questions and be like, what's your favorite Nintendo game? Mario. I love Mario. Okay, the second half of this podcast is... Um, I'm going to try to navigate this in a way that's going to make me happy. Um, so let me... Should I preface this before I get into it? Let me just like, let me say this. This is going to reach back to the Chocobo GP thing a little bit of just like, I feel stupid for talking about this stuff because it's people overreacting to things. And I did not particularly feel good about how I handled that in Chocobo GP world podcast we did. Although I do think the title of that podcast is really good where it's just like Chocobo GP killed my family, making fun of other like thumbnails from Chocobo GP. Um but anyways. Um uh so so what I wanna talk about today, I'm gonna to try to keep like fairly level-headed and then also fairly like like understanding of multiple sides on this, and try to like like explain that out. And I think that's like what will make me happy if I come out on the other side feeling like I've done that, which obviously I did that with Triggerwood GP to some extent, but um, I think I I, I got rowdy at times. So let me try not to get rowdy because I think if I'm not rowdy about it, I'll feel a lot happier. So if you haven't been in the loop this week, there was a few different things that happened. Well, rather it was like a couple days ago for me at this point, or maybe like last night actually for me. Um, But anyways, so um, a couple, actually one of these things is actually personal in some degree as well. So first and foremost, Yuji Naka he goes on Twitter and reveals that apparently he was like in court with Square Enix um and i did I did not find if any like I did not confirm if anybody did like a real like paid translation of this thing um I saw like Tom James later on like mention that like I think the one that was going around was machine translated and and being really concerned about people reporting on like legal discussions in a way that was like you know as a reminder, machine translation, not reliable at all. It's all, it's actually kind of surprising. Like, I think what we're doing with machine translation here is perfectly fine. And we, we, we generally like, and even then I try to like, let you guys know, um, like I think playing video games is a good and fun time, but like, I've seen some videos where like, they'll be like, we're going to talk about this very important document. Sometimes in the case of like, here's like, here's like something that like, you know, to, to, to lean this into the real world for a moment like what Putin had written about Ukraine or something like that, right? So if you're listening to this in the future, you know, stuff's going on in Ukraine right now. We don't really talk about that stuff on our podcast because we're a video game podcast, but that's just happening. And then they're like, we machine translated this letter that he wrote or something like that. It's like, what the heck? Like, no, get someone to like really translate it. This is like a big YouTube person kind of thing that has millions and millions of views. What do you do machine translating? Um, something like that. That's very sensitive. Um, so anyways, it's all, really, I'm just trying to say machine translation Not reliable. And so what I'm saying about this right now, I think is largely based off people not using reliable translations. I could be wrong, but I believe that's the case based off what I was looking around and looking at. So anyways, so Yuji naka has been in court apparently because um, it sounds like he basically was in some ways, maybe like forcefully removed from the development of Balan Wonderworld, or at least like ostracized in some way where like basically um, the developer Ar Arzest, I think they're called. Rest. I can't remember for sure what they how they're pronounced, but they were like basically trying to finalize the game when he was trying to basically polish it up still and everything, and they weren't like communicating with him properly, and Square Enix was doing other stuff on the side without him basically. And there's some drama around some YouTuber with like some piano score that seemed like to me it was just like I don't really understand why this is an issue, but you know, it's fine. Um so there's this whole thing that happened. And uh, you kind of have a couple different responses. I think there was largely a lot of sympathy for Yuji Naka from people who were not super aware of like kind of the history with Yuji Naka of just like, oh, here's this like nightmarish thing that happened where like this this development went wrong, and then and then Yuji Naka got removed, and then like Square Enix and RS were not like you know consulting him on stuff, and then they just pushed the game out kind of thing. Um, so how accurate all that is, again? I'm not 100% sure, but that's generally the scope of what we, we understand of what's happening in this kind of space with Yuji Naka um, and this, which which first and foremost, I will say, if you're not familiar, Yuji Naka does have a reputation. He does not seem like a particularly kind boss. He does not seem like a particularly kind co-worker this is all just from anecdotal evidence from different things one of my favorite articles out there of all time is a peter moore article where he tells a story about how he told yuji to fuck off at one point um because basically yuji was accusing him of lying about what um the feedback they were getting back from sega fans um, during the dreamcast era and stuff like that um so and and all that stuff. That, you know, everyone obviously has their side of the story in that regard. And Yujinaka being, you know, in Japan or being Japanese and, and not having like the same like outlets as that might not be able to have like his side of that argument. And like, do you even want that kind of back and forth happening, right? That's a whole other thing too. Um so anyways, point being Yuji Naka kinda has a known history with with having problems development. And I'm gonna say this about Battle of Wonderworld with how that game came out and obviously i like the game i made a whole video about liking the game with how that game came out it was not far off of how i feel like his games have been in recent years is it a little more janky sure but like from a quality perspective and a design perspective i think it is still along the same level as a billy hatcher as a rodea the sky soldier as you know, anything else he's been making really kind of right. Like, like it's, nothing he's been making is like big triple a quality level stuff. Like it's, 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 it's reaching for it, but it never quite gets there. Um, you know, whether that's because of other factors, whether it's because of Yuji Naka, who can say, but B- battle wonder worlds, again does not read to me as something that falls that far outside of my expectations for Yuji Naka at least from a design perspective. Obviously I'm able to overlook some things. The Switch version is obviously obviously its own thing. And, I, and ultimately I do think that the, the reception to Battle Wonder Wonderworld um, um, was was overblown. But Yuji uh, Naka seems to have say that he believes Battle Wonder Wonderworld is considered an incomplete product. Obviously there's a lot of drama behind that and how it came out. Um, I would say it's a complete product. It passed certification. It came out. You can play it start to finish. There's problems with it, but it's very playable. You know, I've played worse games than Battle and Wonderworld, that's for sure. And and enjoyed worse games. Um so, um, yeah, so I I, I really hesitate to take too much serious like take Naka too seriously on this. So while I think it is definitely interesting to get that insight, I don't think it's anything anyone should be like playing sides with. Like, oh if only Yuji Naka had time, or only Naka had whatever. Um I did see there's like some people trying to get like <laughs> Like, I think it's a very small number. of People do get me wrong. I don't think this is like a massive movement. I think it was like, and maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe it's singling out people. Let me just say this. There are people who seem to have been suggesting that Square Enix should have like a director's cut version that Yuji Naka can finish. And I'm just like, that's A, never happening. And B, like you are really on this vision that Yuji Naka had something that was significantly better, which I very much question, <laughs> honestly. Um, so... So, yeah, so there's that kind of like first messy part of it. And my general feeling is that like this is a little more than I thought it was. But ultimately, I think the game turned out how it was probably going to generally turn out personally, just knowing the past experience with Yuji Naka and his recent recent games and stuff like that. So there's the first part of that. And I hope like, that's like a really reasonable deduction on that. And if you do, if you are like, no, Yuji is like, like it was, was wronged. Like I definitely, yeah, w- w- none of us really know this situation super well. Um, so I, I would not die on that boat that like, this is not Yuji Naka's problem. Right. Again, all this happening behind the scenes, that kind of stuff typically. So this whole thing kind of bred a secondary conversation that I saw, at least on my feed, obviously we're all in our little echo chambers and stuff. So, you know, how far this spreads out or not is a whole other thing but so i saw like a, a secondary conversation that came afterwards of just like people criticizing square enix for kind of inconsistent releases um and and basically they were like hey look at games like octopath traveler you know Final 7 remake dragon quest 11 near the world's entity look at these great games and then on the other side you have titles like left alive babylon's fall coach kokobo gp the quiet man battle wonder world the final Fantasy Chris chronicles hd like how did this come from the same company in a very like um like i say demeaning way it feels like like i just like uh, again it just kind of feels like that your game is either a 10 or a zero i feel like that's like how people look at games sometimes it's like obviously there's a range between there but i feel like once you get below a certain point your score is actually really like a three because it's just like how people react to games sometimes. And so it's just like this discussion about like, you know, how do, why does Square Enix manage their project this way? Why did they release Battle Wonderworld this way? All blah, 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 All that stuff. And so like the, the point I kind of come back to with those though, is that like Chocobo GP, great game. We already talked about that. Um, Quiet Man. I think there are good things about the Quiet Man. Battle and Wonder Wonderworld, I think there's good. Like Crystal Chronicles HD, definitely flawed menu system but the gameplay itself is still pretty solid for being a GameCube game right they didn't really touch it up that much but you know things like that Babylon's Fall I think based off the demo is like pretty good I would I would love to play Babylon's Fall it's not gonna happen because it's a live game um and I don't have that time but I would love to play Babylon's Fall I loved everything about the demo honestly um and then Left Alive I didn't like like as much but I appreciate that it existed kind of thing um, so, you know, there's just like, it just had this conversation of like, how could a developer have such high quality and such low quality? And then that extended to another conversation I had with another friend where they're just like, I wish Square Enix would have just canceled Wonder Wonderworld. And I had to sit there and think for a little while. I was just like, why, what benefit do we get from Square Enix putting out the Wonder World trial, getting very negative reception and then canceling it? And I really couldn't think of like that much from like a player's perspective. Is is it a smart business move? Probably not. You know, like, like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't know. It's one of those things that like, part of me is like, probably not. But also Square Enix does this where like, they'll develop a game and you can kind of tell when they lose confidence in a game in terms of like how it gets pushed out. (laughs) But, but they'll, they'll push out a game, even if it doesn't feel like it's like quite where it needs to be. And they're just like, okay, we got this game where it's going to, where we're going to get it, wrap it up, push it out the door. Um, and I think some people would say like, at that point, why bother? Why release it? And the conversation I had was them basically saying, if you're not going to do it all the way, why even put it out? Um, but then like, I think back to like, I actually was like pulling up, I have an article from, let me see if I can find the year I published this from 2011, where it was actually me like arguing about. Square Enix's reputation at the time, um, because in 2011 people were not happy with Square Enix at all. He had Final Fantasy XIV that came out, Final Fantasy XIII, XIII two had the the baggage of Final Fantasy XIII versus or fifteen was not even a thing yet. You had Crystal Bears that came out, so you had Crystal Chronicles transformed to this thing that was not great, and like like all these things are not good from a quality perspective, but they're like really interesting ideas, and I enjoy that they're trying to do new stuff. And I'll, I'll link this article. Um, you know, it's pretty short. It was from when I was writing at BG charts. So, you know, it was, there was not a lot of time between those articles, just kind of threw me together. 6,000 views, man, though. Nice. <laughs> um, anyways, so, so yeah. And, um, it was just something that like I feel like this is it's the same story today with me and Square Enix of just like, I want them to just like put this stuff out because, or because if you put out Battle, if you, if you cancel and Wonder Wonderworld, nobody gets to play. it Then you have people who are just upset that it didn't come out <laughs> and you have people upset that that's all the trial and like good riddance that didn't come out. But like, that doesn't really benefit anybody. Right? Like, like, what like does not give me, it, all it does is take away a choice for me when I played and Wonder Wonderworld's trial and be like, I like this actually, this is cool. And, like, I would get the chance... So I can make that decision to purchase it. And... I think part of this... And this is, like, kind of part of where I don't really like internet discussion about things, is that... This this feeling that, like, if something is not quite how you want it to be, suddenly it's, like, the worst crime ever. Hence, Chocobo GP killed my family, the podcast title, (laughs) kind of thing, right? And... And I think it's okay to get passionate about, like, disliking games, right? I think it's good to be, like air that out right and be like i don't like this because of this i don't like this like be vocal don't don't go harass the developers i'll say that much but it's good to be vocal and i think sometimes i i get a little worked up about that and like try to stamp it down more than i should but really what i need to do on my side is just say well let me tell you back like like let me put my voice out there of what this is because it's always better to have more voices out there than, than less and then it's, it's not good to demean others voices because like when we talk about Joe chocobo gp i kind of talked about the fact that like chocobo gp puts the battle pass up front square enix wants you to see that battle pass square enix wants that battle pass to be an essential part of that game it does not but they want it to be essential to you and if even it's just the perception of it square enix wants you to perceive that um and it's it's, it's a real shame because that game has so much more going on in the, in the background of it of just like well not so much more but it's a it's a full video game under the hood and like you don't have to worry about the battle pass i did not think about the battle pass once during that game pretty much other than just like why do people don't like this game apparently it's the battle pass um um but like i didn't think about you know buying it i I got like two two levels into it's like wow this battle pass seems like a bad battle pass and proceed to leave it alone and i just kind of feel like ultimately like getting upset about them putting these games out and they're being like in bad quality like the choice you always have is just don't buy it (laughs) Like and you can wait, you can wait for reviews and things like that. And I would much rather be given the choice to purchase something than 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 to not be given that choice. And it makes me think back, you know, looking at this list and looking. At, I don't want to link it because I I don't want to like single out a single person on Twitter. Um, again, but. You know this list I'm looking at here, where they have like Left Alive, Babylon's Fall, Chocobo GP, The Quiet Man, Balon and Wonder World, and Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles HD, in that column of just like what the fuck Square Enix. Essentially, that's not what it's labeled, but it's, essentially the column is like here's the bad side of Square Enix. I 100 percent believe that if this was 2000, you know, 11, Near would be in that column. Like Nier would be there, and like I think everyone now agrees. Near is like a great video game. It's is there problems with it absolutely. There are problems. But the pieces of Near that make up that the, what's interesting about that game ultimately create something that I think grabs a lot of people. And there's like a cult fan base around this thing. And there are people who love Ball and Wonderworld. <laughs> I don't think there's a big Quiet Man like fan base, but I enjoyed the Quiet Man mostly the second playthrough, but I enjoyed the Quiet Man. And so, like, I, I I, don't really understand this thought that, like, th- I guess this feeling that, like, often it feels like somebody almost equates to, um, like, a company putting out a game that's just, like, not in this, like, prime space it needs to be as, like, as, like, a scam or that, that they're trying to get one on you kind of thing. And, like, sometimes I think games don't need to be amazing. Sometimes I think it's – I think it's personally – personally I think it's very reasonable for a developer to say – here's what our projected budget is for this game, here's what we think it's going to make, we have to cut it off at some point. And game development's not easy, right? Like, things change all the time, and, like, at some point, you're reading those, the line of, like, if we get past this point on costs from our projected return, then, like, like yeah, like, we're at the point that we have to think about canceling it. But, like, I guess to me, it's like, well, why cancel it if you can wrap it up and then get it out there? And that game is there for people to make that decision. So, and then, so the person I was talking to about this again, I don't want to name any names here. Um, They don't like listen to this podcast. I'm almost certain, Uh, but um, they, they had mentioned like all video games should be the best quality they can be by day one, and they should satisfy what a user wants. But like what a user wants is always just so all over the place. And just like and I just kind of feel like if if you want to like make sure you're getting the biggest bang for your buck, don't buy day one. Don't buy way one. Read the reviews, see what people think. That's what reviews are for. It's to pre-judge a game for you. You take that information and decide. Is this worth my time? Is this worth my money? And their argument basically was like, but people don't want to be spoiled, so they buy on day one. And I'm like, well, you're buying it on day one. You're like, you are fulfilling the circle, the circle of life of people getting upset about videos, I guess. So anyways, so I just kind of like, I don't, I'm don't i hoping this is like a more, I don't know if this is a better conversation. I don't know how I feel about this. Maybe I'll need to come back and listen to this later. But I feel like that, that the, the point I ultimately try to make with this stuff at the end of the day is like there are there are options for you if you want to support a game if you don't want to support a game you know i i don't need like like i i don't like where zelda breath of the wild went it's not where i want zelda to be will i play another zelda game at some point probably was it breath of the wild too i don't know but like i can just really it's really easy for me to make that choice of just like oh i played this one it wasn't for me. The series is no longer for me. (laughs) Right. Like you can make that choice, I guess. And so I don't really, I don't really get, uh, I guess I just don't really get the, like, I don't feel like Nintendo committed a crime against me by changing the formula, I guess. Right. Like I, even with breath of the wild one, I could have easily not buy the game and they advertise it as a new type of Zelda game and everything too. Right. So, like I just think there's this there's, there's 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 always choices, always options. And you just have to make the right choices for you. And like if you don't want to be that person who's like the first in line to figure out is this game fucked or not? <laughs> All right. Like 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 then you need to hold back. And you don't and I don't think you I don't think you can really like yes you can be critical of the game. Yes you can you can you can do your review and give it a two point oh out of ten for sure. But I think that like the emotional reaction of just like Square Enix is fucking pulling a the, the, the wool over people's eyes to this game kind of thing. Like, I don't know. It is so weird to me. It's so weird. I don't know. I've been there. I know. I was one of those people that were like, Jeff Gertzman didn't give the Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess a 9.5 out of ten he ruined the Metacritic score kind of thing, right? I was there when I was 16, but yeah, sometimes, like, like like that person in particular I'm talking about I was interacting with, him. I mean, he's, like, my age, so it's so weird to think about that, of just, like, no, they should have canceled it, they have a duty to cancel it, and if you want to play it otherwise, you are better off not playing it, because it's a bad game, and like, but I like Battle of World. I bought it for $60, and I loved it, so anyways so there we go second half of the 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 podcast hours cry about square enix getting bullied on the internet i guess <laughs> we know that uh, article i think the the article i wrote in 2011 um the final name ended up being does square enix deserve more credit for some reason it's in the news section that's not right um they must have gotten like stuff that messed up on the back end um but anyways it actually doesn't even have my name on it anymore bye BG chart staff Um, that is me. I am VG charge or was in 2011. Um, but yeah, I think the original title for that article, and I wonder if I submitted it this way or not, um, was leave screenings alone referencing the leave Brittany alone meme at the time. So, you know, all memes, uh, uh, age wonderfully, but yeah, just be smart with your money. I think just be smart with your money and be smart with your purchases. And if you need to like have that extra quality control in the front, I highly recommend, you know, finding someone's opinion you trust on the internet and uh, listen to them, right? Don't trust me. I've got weird opinions. So, so you'll be like, Ben, why do you love Battle of Wonderworld? Like, okay, here's the reasons. And you're like, okay, Ben, you're crazy, but you do you. You be you on the internet. That's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneCastralware.com is the website. As I said, this week on Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time, we'll be streaming either Betia or Crime Crackers. If I get Betia, we'll stream that. If I get if I don't, we will stream Crime Crackers. If I can figure out ahead of time, you know, as soon as I figure out when I can what I can do for that stream, if I can stream Betia or not, I'll go ahead and set up the uh, the stream placeholder time so you can set a reminder if you want. Although I don't think that displays on the YouTube channel. I think that's something I need to been fixed for like years now, and I have not done. I should probably do that so you can actually like see upcoming streams on the YouTube channel um so there's that um and then also there's the uh patreon video this week which is the pcfx card insertion thing so if you want to insert a pcfx card in there and then the week after that i believe that's family jockey don't quote me on that but i think casual review for family jockey is next week you're listening to this on monday i'm actually recording this on a friday very early so so um so this week you're getting that pcfx ga card installation the week after that i believe you're getting the family jockey video um, and then the week after that, for Patreon again, the baseball thing. And the week after that, who can say? Maybe I'll commit a crime and go to jail. And we'll never have another video again. Who can say? Maybe I'll maybe I'll go and maybe I'll get arrested for commenting on this Square Enix or this Yuji Naka story uh, that was machine translated. So uh, I'm going to read one quote or one comment from this Square Enix deserves more credit. And we're just going to scroll down. We're going to see what we get. I used to not read the comment section on these because I knew they were nasty, so. Oh my gosh, half the comments were deleted. Okay, let me try this again. Bam! Guto. on September 13th, 2011, said Square Enix? No. Monolith Soft? Yes. Did I mention a Monolith Soft game in here? Is he just saying Monolith Soft out of nowhere? Let me see if Xenoblade comes up in here at all. I don't know why I say Monolith Soft, but like, Monolith Soft's a good developer. Hey, Gutto, wherever you are, I didn't respond to you in 2011. Square Enix, yes. Monolith Soft, yes. Xenoblade Chronicles, no. You guys have a great week. www.monitrollboard.com is the website. (laughs) Bye.